Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour, back-to-back Florida Basketball Hour podcast with my man Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Eric, it's been a little bit. Um, how, how are things, man? Oh, things are things are good. Like I kind of said at the end of the last podcast, uh, it's been it's been pretty busy times for us. It wasn't just like, hey, it's uh, it's it's the off season. Let's take some time off. I think we were uh, we we're both pretty busy. So uh, lots going on. But what about you? Oh, man, like you said, uh, you know, a ton going on um, just life wise. Uh, and I think, you know, good to get a break, um, but also ready to dive back into this basketball team with which now has a uh, full roster. And maybe, Eric, that's as good a place as any to, to start. Um, you know, there was no – Todd Golden didn't keep it a secret that he was going to bring in international players. He did so at uh, San Francisco and, and Florida added to their front court um, during our break in mid-July. Yeah, they did. So I'm still kind of waiting on an official uh, pronunciation of, of this big man. Um, I'll tell you this. I mean, a lot of Polish people where, where I'm from here in Western Canada. So if this was like a guy I would be like growing up, like playing hockey with, he'd be some, you know, progy slinging guy pronounced Shimchik. So I think it might be Alex Shimchik, which is also something that um, I heard on one broadcast. So Neil, I don't know if you have a better pronunciation, but for me, it's, it's, it's Shimchik and I hate mispronouncing names. So I hope I'm not doing it, but um, I'm just going to have to go on the one broadcast I heard on that one for now. But what do you do? You have a pronunciation here for for the new big man? Yeah, I got Simchick until um, somebody from the program corrects us. Okay, okay, so we can roll with that. But uh, yeah, anyways, I, I hate mispronouncing names, so I. I don't mean to be disrespectful and I promise you I tried, but with a lot of these, uh, a lot of these streams, which is kind of funny. Cause like nowadays, like it's often easier to get film on these players that play professionally um, or, you know, quote unquote professionally um, or in these academies in Europe, uh, it's actually easier to get film on them than like a lot of these high school kids in, in America. Yeah. So I was able to get some and, uh, but a lot of it still didn't have, didn't have audio, but uh, a, a very interesting player. I, I, I mean, of course, the first thing that's going to jump out is the shooting. And I think that that's, uh, that makes sense. I, I think what really just stuck out to me though, was, was his size. I think he's got a great frame, uh, which is uh, like, like, I think I saw six, nine, two forty thrown around. That looks pretty accurate to what I saw. And like, I, I think his release was, was, was pretty good. So I, I think right you look at high major size i i think a really good shooter for his size i i think it's a great use of a scholarship yeah you know what i like about it is that it's different it's versatile in terms of like what their front court pieces are i mean we know that alex fudge uh is a guy that that quote jump out of the gym athlete uh gonna be strong defensively period and and could grow into his offensive game even when we had todd golden before we went on sabbatical there you know todd golden talked about getting fudge away from the basket letting him put the ball on the floor and attack the rim um you know and i think that's something that he could do as a front court piece so that's a little different than obviously what jason jatovo and colin castleton bring um you know and it's this staff Seems very high on Jason Jatobo. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's it's becoming an annual thing where every year Jason Jatobo looks better and better in terms of his like fitness on these videos that Florida social media puts out. I mean, Jason looks strong and fit right now, and that's great. Um, 
Hopefully the eye's good. But obviously a different type of player. Good footwork, really soft hands, but, you know, Jason's not going to get more than 15 feet away from the bucket. Um, this kid, I think, can, and, it, and he's, he's 19 or 20 already, so there's not that much of, uh, like, I think from a physicality standpoint, as you said, his frame is good and it's, it's SEC ready now. Um, it's certainly not going to see a ton of frames that are totally different than what he was doing playing with professionals um, in Europe. And then he can shoot. So, you know, it is, a, it's a different type of big. And I just like the way that they're very intentional about making their roster versatile, versatile in multiple areas. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting to hear. Like, it, it seems pretty apparent that they've always wanted a front court player. I thought it was really interesting when, when Golden came on our podcast and said, like, you know, I actually think we're going to play a lot of just one big, even though he kind of mentioned that, like, ideally he likes to be a two-big team. It's also interesting relative to the fact that we know that Jason Jatobo, well, we shouldn't say we know. We, we've heard good things about his health. We've also heard good things about CJ Felder's health, who even tweeted out himself that he like finally felt healthy for the first time in forever, like a couple months ago. They really aggressively pursued another big man, which makes me wonder if there's like any concerns for their health. Maybe not even in like the medicals, if it's just like, one of those things where like, and I know even like, you know, our good friend Malik Grady always pushes back when I kind of say like, well, I'll kind of believe healthy Jason Jatobo when I see it. Um, and not, not just, I I'm putting Malik, I'm putting, making Malik the face of a lot of people, a lot of Gator country people on the forums as well. Got, uh, get sure, very upset sure. with me every time I've said that he is, you know, I, that I've called him, you know, injury prone or that I don't think he'll be healthy. Cause, and you can argue like, does not being in shape and not being able to do cardio. Do you call that, you know, quote unquote, unhealthy injury prone like no it's kind of different but i i guess i i guess it for me it's still a little bit of like when he can play a regular shift consistently for weeks on end i will believe it when i see it um so i i do wonder if this take is something that maybe suggests like yeah they definitely still want some contingency for some guys that have been injured throughout their careers colin castleton has been quite durable up until that that injury last year so um that's pretty awesome for someone who's going to be relied on for a big role and to play a lot of minutes and uh a uh, question i wanted to pose to you neil I, I think i've got my own answer to it so i'm pretty interested to see what you uh what you say but um actually once again shout out to malik um if you are listening to this podcast there's a good chance that you are one of many of the group chats that Malik Grady has curated. Um, he is the great curator of Gator basketball group chats. So um, uh, there is one that, <laughs> um, that I've been in for quite a while. And uh, one of the guys in there is, is Jay Markle. He's a writer as well. So you can, if you're listening to this, you can also add him to your Florida basketball writing rotation. But he said, and I don't want to misquote him. So I'll just, and I actually don't even think this was something that he was saying himself. I think he was actually quoting someone else from another one of Malik's group chats, but he said, um, again, I, I don't think this is his opinion. He's just kind of saying the question, maybe even a little rhetorically. He said, you know, when Mike White took two developmental bigs in Jason Jatobo and two in Gatkick, people like, you know, us two said we were not, we were not fans. So he kind of posed, you know, maybe hypothetically, he's just like, so if Florida takes a developmental big now, why should we think differently? I'm curious what your response to that would be, Neil. Skill. <laughs> I mean, plain, plain, plain and simple. Uh, I mean, this guy can shoot. Gat uh, kick couldn't. He was a track athlete um, that didn't score on a JUCO team that wasn't great, um, and played with 
better players uh, around him. I think Simchek, you know, is he for a 6'11, 240? Am I like super pleased with what I've seen from him in the post? No, but at least he can hit a jump shot, right? Um, at least he's used to guarding complicated offensive actions because they run a lot of good stuff uh, in, in Europe. Um, you know, they're, they're doing things a little differently than what Toon was playing against in Juco. Um, and then as for Jatobo, you know, there was always some, I think the reason it's different in that Toon Gakic's at Texas state right now, which is a good program. Um, but the reason that Toon Gakic is out of the power six right now, and Jason Jatobo is a guy Todd Golden is talking and speaking highly of is that. Jason had some skill when he got to Florida. You know, I don't know how "quote unquote" developmental he was, other than. Or sorry, I think he, I, I meant to say Osio Sifo. Of of course, I. I oh, okay. I, I I, yeah, I saying, I, I, of Jason. course, meant Osio Sifo and and two. Yeah, no, that's the two guys. Like, like, Jason, the two guys, you and me. I still yeah, had Jason he, on the mind from before. Sorry. Yeah, no, and I mean Jason. Jason was a guy who hadn't played a ton of basketball, right? Uh, so I get it, but but certainly it was was the guy that had. We knew that he had post moves. When he got to Florida, we knew that he had really good hands for a big when he got to Florida. Uh, we knew that he was quicker than his ginormous size when he got to Florida. Um, and all of that has kind of hopefully will, will come to the surface and come to fruition. You know, you heard Golden rave about his split. So that's a little different. But yeah, I mean, with Gakik and Osifa, I'll stick to the one word answer of skill. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just, just a more skilled player. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I should have really been prepared for this podcast. I actually wrote down. So, Jay, if you're listening, I'm so sorry for very badly misquoting even when I said I was like, I'm not going to say verbatim, but yes, it was. Uh, which I think is kind of a, a fair comment to say, like, hey, when Osayo Sifo and Toon Gakik were taken, um, you know, Eric, you, Neil, you guys were skeptical. What makes this any different? And I think you maybe said it best with your one word answer of skill. Uh, to me, my kind of thought was just like, and I know this is for people who are longtime listeners, this is going to be something that um, I've said a million times or talked about a million times, but I'm big on architects of or, or archetypes of winning basketball. There is not a player archetype of Toon Gakic working at the high major level. When you look at the best teams that Florida is trying to be um, and is trying to be ha- for the last couple of years, trying to have been, you don't see a bunch of, you know, six foot seven, six foot eight, 190 pound front court players who are, you know, shot blockers and dunkers are the, around the rim. Um, Osayo Sifo at six foot seven, 220 pound, not super athletic, but high motor. Like those guys work at a lot of mid major plus schools. They don't work at right. the high major level. When you look at, six foot nine or whatever we, we think Shimchik is somewhere between six, nine, six, 11, 245 hours. You look at that frame, you look at his shooting ability. That is an archetype that works. So the difference to me and why I wouldn't compare them would be that, um, would be, would be that like, you can look at the mold of a player of what Shimchik is. And you could say like, okay, players like that have success at the highest level of college basketball. When you look at Osayo Sifo and you look at Toon Gakik, there's not. So that's why, right. As soon as those guys were taken, I said it is going, you know, it, it's going to be long odds for these guys to really work out. And, and and I think too, like, let's say, and I don't know if Golden will do this, but like, let's say Golden gets any junior college player for the 2023 class. There's going to be people that say like, oh, well, look at the Florida's last two junior college guys that worked out. But like, the thing is like junior college players can work at the high major level. And we've seen this. 
but the guys that Florida have taken were like not even top 100 junior college players. So right. I, just, just to get out at, and I don't know if Golden's really going to look down that road. It really doesn't sound like it based off um, what he was saying about his recruiting philosophy and that CBS piece, which I don't know if we're going to talk about. We very well could. It was excellent journalism, but uh, it doesn't sound like it. But it, but again, it's like, it's, it's like not only was like, it just like when Florida was taking junior college players, they weren't even taking the kind of junior college players that have success at the high major level. Um, so for that reason, that's why I was very skeptical of those takes from the beginning, but I feel very differently about uh, this take for a player um, that, uh, yeah, is from a lineage of uh, that has worked these academies in Europe, these, the kind of systems he's played in and uh, a guy with a great frame who can shoot the basketball. So um, yeah, I think we can kind of put us firmly on the side of this was an excellent use of a last scholarship. Yeah, I mean, look, Osifo was a little different, like a little closer. I shouldn't say a little different, a little closer to what like FSU and Baylor build with from the JUCO level. Um, but he was shorter by probably one to five inches, depending on if you're at Baylor or FSU. And and uh, you know, he was kind of more raw defensively. I mean, we talked a lot about how Osio Osifo had trouble in the pick and roll, right? Um, and it was one of the reasons that despite the fact that he was pretty dang competitive on the glass in 10 minutes per game, grabbing 3.9 boards uh, in his year in Florida, you know, they couldn't necessarily put him out there because he would get lost schematically on defense. He had a pretty good year for Jordan Mincy. I mean, he, he led the ASUN in field goal percentage. He had eight points per game, six rebounds per game. I mean, those are, quality numbers for a sophomore player on the team that made it to the conference tournament final. And it was pretty darn good. And I think a lot of people kind of have penciled in uh, to like their early bracketology, right. From the a sun, but that's kind of the ceiling for him is a productive mid-major player. He's not going to be a Juco guy that starts a national title game for Baylor or that helps FSU win the, the national title to your point. And I think Shimshek, you know, I mean, the main difference is like, that jump shot is really nice, man. Like if he can stretch a defense, um, there's that. And then it's just operationally uh, the way that he, you know, fit. Um, this is a take. That would be my other point. So skill and fit. I mean, I think it makes sense given what else is on the roster. Um, and I'm not sure that Osifo necessarily met that criteria. Uh, and I know that Toon Gatkic did not. Um, which is what made that one even more curious for me. I, 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 you know, I think one thing that Eric and I, and, and a lot of Gator fans, it's not just Eric and me uh, that, that lament the fact that Osifo was taken over PJ Hall. And I mean, I think that's, you know, that's something you just have to factor in when you talk about Osifo too. So even if Osifo is a slightly better take than Gakic was, uh, it's just kind of, part and parcel of that discussion. So that is the last roster piece. Um, Riley Kugel actually is the last roster piece. He shows up on campus this week. So he um, is ready to enroll at Florida a little late, but all his test scores are good. Everything's good. So the big combo guard, four-star combo guard that I think a lot of people are really excited about his ceiling, um, you know, his, his eligibility uh, is all set top 50 player in the top 20 in the 24 seven composite. Uh, and I think kind of, kind of one of those guys that because Florida's transfer portal class was top 10, as we talked to Blake about kind of, you know, we forget that Riley Kugel's coming in too. 
Oh, in a regular year, we would have been kind of so excited for Kugel, like watching his watching his tape. Sure. It's it's incredible. Like whether you look at just his like you like I could show a Florida fan just his shooting highlights and they'd be really excited. I could show just his dunk highlights and people would be very excited. I could show just his ball handling highlights. People would be very excited. So like really, I mean, this is like a little bit of like when when Florida got Quasi Reeves and I was watching his film, I was you know, as people know, listening to his podcast, you know, we were super, super excited. And uh, Kugel is a, is a bit of a different player, um, not as pure of a jump shooter, but more explosive with his first step, more of an attacker. Like I am getting excited for Kugel in the same way that I was for Kwesi Reeves. I, I really like a lot of what I'm seeing. Um, I, I and, and again, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I want players who can make plays off the dribble, who can catch on a ball reversal and get downhill, get in the, get in the paint and make plays. And, uh, and that's him just such a great first step. Uh, obviously has athletic athleticism when he gets to the rim um, and he can shoot it really well from everything I've seen as well. So uh, pretty easy to see why he is uh, a top 50 player. And uh, I guess he's uh pretty skinny, which like, I guess is the one thing that would make him, not ranked even higher. Uh, but just w- w- every time I watch him, I mean, you could convince me he was, he'd be ranked a lot higher. Cause I, I love everything I'm seeing. I'm glad. And of course, I think maybe the, uh, the academic uncertainty, one coach in the, in the SEC told me, he's like, yeah, we didn't, we were a little bit, you know, skeptical about his, um, about his grade situation. So it kept them from recruiting him as much as they would like to. And, uh, I wonder if that just like the lack of hype, the kind of surrounded him because of the academic worries for a while. Maybe that's part of the reason his um, he ended up finishing where he did in the recruiting rankings, but man, you watch the tape. It's uh, it's super exciting. Um, this is going to be a player that like, I know the starting lineups for Florida will rage on ever until November comes. I'm not suggesting that I think Riley Kugel will be in the mix for starting, but I do think he could be in the mix for playing more minutes than people expect. Yeah, I mean, absolutely very possible, um, that kind of talent. So excited to get him uh, and Simchek on campus as they get ready to, um, you know, get into their late summer workouts and then get back together as a, as a cohesive basketball unit uh, in September. But um, that is roster construction. We can do recruiting, which I get, I swear, I think I get six, seven DMs a month to sort of basketball <laughs> hour, talk about recruiting ever. Um, not really. I think like once a year in the summer, we like usually touch on it. We'll make that night tonight um, because Florida did pick up a commitment. The first, um, I guess the first next class commitment for Al Golden. Uh, in Thomas Haw. Um, I've been told it's not Thomas Hawk. It's Thomas Haw. Uh, so, you know, if that's wrong, somebody hit me up with that. But uh, a three-star player who it's very weird. And this is like the thing, the difference between football recruiting and basketball recruiting. Like the biggest one to me is the lag in like star adjustments because this guy has like a huge offer list now but hasn't gotten that bump. So he seems like he's probably better than his top 200 24 seven composite rating. Um, but what did you see when you, when you saw uh, this guy on film, another skilled big? 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's it's interesting. I've got Thomas Howe from the film I was watching, um, so uh, we'll have to get some uh, some. You're probably some right. You're probably on right. That. <laughs> just again from from <laughs> watching the games, Hawk. I have. It's not Hawk. Um, I love Matt Norlander. He's he's one of my favorites, and all like has been. I've listened to their podcast for you know five or six years. Um, this the CBS Science College Basketball podcast. Yeah, so but I, let let me tell you, when I heard. Thomas Hawk in or read read it in his article and I think he like <laughs> I read in the article and I like I I had to make I had to read it over I'm like I'm which which again at the same time I'm just I'm watching I'm watching the streams of his games and sometimes you know the the people announcing don't know either but um Thomas Howe is what they were always saying so uh man we we bet Denver Parlor I wonder if he's listening just cringing but yeah. I, I would lo- we'll, we'll have to we'll reach out <laughs> for some verification because because again I really it's actually funny because part of the reason I, I just hate mispronouncing names so much is that like often in the college basketball space, it's the mispronunciation of like a lot of African names or, you know, not white names. And now we've got like two white guys that we can mispronounce the name of. So at least, Hey, that's, that's, that's kind of nice, a nice change up there, but I would love to be able to show proper respect for these guys with pronunciation. So, um, but, but anyways, going on, like you said, I thought it was pretty crazy. Like on three, who's really just like surged onto the kind of recruiting space recently. Uh, they just, had a bunch of adjustments and i was like oh i'm very interested to see you know where where, where thomas uh ended up and uh he's 170th i think so that was not quite what i expected uh but again it's like it's one of those things where like i still think you're seeing some of these guys that are um like you're still seeing the effects of guys that weren't really able to play basketball for a year. Like that would in kind of some key evaluation years. I still think you're kind of seeing that with some of these evaluations. Um, maybe that plays a role. Um, I even thought it was interesting. I'm like, he like, he's the third ranked player in Pennsylvania, I think. And there's some really good players in Pennsylvania that I was like, Oh, like normally to be the third best player in Pennsylvania, that would be saying a lot. But then you look at 170th the country. It's like, Oh, that's not as high would as I would expect for the number three player in Pennsylvania. So maybe that's just an area of the country that has been, neglected by by some and and again it, it is what it is um ranking kids is tough but uh i i think that i'm going to uh maybe agree with todd golden on this one um where you know golden said he's not really interested in taking players that he doesn't think can play right away and that he doesn't think are really good um i think he's really good i think he'll be able to, to play right away he could have been in the 2022 class and is taking an extra year so when he'll be when he comes to florida i don't think he's going to be the like raw freshman I think you're already seeing some some good size. Uh, definitely can add some muscle, but it's not like he's super skinny. Um, shooting ability has really come along. Even watching games from like a year ago to more recent games, his shooting stroke looks a lot better. Um, athleticism, first step, just smooth his smoothness, feel for the game. Uh, I, I like every part of it. And and again, I think in in some in some teams, you'd you'd kind of say like, oh, maybe this is going to be a five just because he's six foot nine, but like. Skill set wise, he's got perimeter abilities. We know that Golden yeah. likes to play two bigs. This seems like the absolute perfect power forward for his system. Yeah, it seems like a really great fit, which again, we get back to, I mean, they really are very intentional in the way that they seem to be approaching recruiting. Um, and then, you know, I'm just thinking about something that speaking of, we talked a little bit about Dennis Gates last night and uh, one thing Dennis Gates shared with me when I got to spend some time with the FSU staff was they like to look at offer list, like more than star rating sometimes. <laughs> um, and he just said, sometimes with these three and four stars, because the services do kind of lag, 
Uh, and, you know, he's like, we get paid to watch these kids all the time, but you can't possibly watch every high-level game that they're in. There's just not enough time in the day. And so sometimes with a kid like Thomas Howe, we're going to go with, with Eric's uh, pronunciation here and see what happens. But sometimes you can you can look at an offer list, right? And, and you can say, okay, we have, you know, six months ago, six, seven months ago before he commits to Florida – it's mid-major schools. Um, but now, I mean, he's got an offer from Illinois. He's got an offer from Maryland. He's got an offer from Northwestern. He's got an offer from Penn State. He's got an offer from NC State. Uh, you know, I mean, we're talking like Georgia Tech has offered him. Um, so we're talking about like these are the, the P6 offers are piling up. And by the way, when they aren't P6 offers, like some of the newer offers are, Virginia Commonwealth, who's constantly mm. threatening to make the NCAA tournament. Xavier, who is constantly threatening to make the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, it's a little bit different, right? Once you start looking at his offer list and you say, oh, man, it might be a little better than his rating. And then you watch him on film and you say, oh, this is a pretty highly skilled kid. Yeah, I really do respect a lot of the people that do uh, college basketball player rankings. And it would be very tough, like you said, it's to, to have a feel for – like really you've got to have a feel for like at least the top, like 200, 250, even 300 guys to make a respectable rating list. And it's like, anytime that someone's off by like 20, they think you're wrong by like 20 names. They'll let you know. And so I know it's tough, but uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where like, I, I like a lot of what uh, I like following a lot of these guys and I like a lot of their work, but at the same time, there's just like, I, I just see a player like that. And it just, I would be surprised if there's, 75 or 100 players better than that or that I would rather have uh, for a high major basketball team. So, uh yeah, pretty pretty excited. Um it's it's also very fun to like like I actually love to another thing from the CBS piece with Norlander just about how Golden is like I want to like the most important players on my roster or the most important players are the ones on my roster right now, not like 2023 2024 kids. So like yeah. he made it a priority to like make practice with the, with the guys that are on the roster and like to, to get a kid now that's in 2023. Um, it's very courteous to us podcasters who maybe aren't, um, the most inclined to cover recruiting. It's nice to get a name out of the way um, quickly like this, but it's also, it's also really fun <laughs> to, to kind of, um, to be able to follow him and watch his games this year. And that was kind of like, again, and thing that was really nice with like the Quasi Reeves commitment is like, we got a year to kind of keep tabs and, and follow along yeah. and get to see part of that journey. And now in, college basketball we're seeing players commit later and later and i think that that makes a lot of sense why they do that but uh the days of uh this is kind of like a throwback to like oh it's actually very fun to like keep up with players that are committed and um we know that um we know our man hawk is a uh, grew up a gators fan and <laughs> uh that's pretty cool too it's <laughs> always cool to hear stories like that um actually i mean one thing one more thing about the whole hawk thomas hawk thing it's like it, it was <laughs> unbelievable to me because it was so different than like the thomas how i was hearing on on streams but at the same time, it's yeah. like almost believable now because we seem to have this rash of players in college basketball, like like Max Acemus, whose name is spelled with a B in there, or like Christian Brown at <laughs> at Kansas. Like it does seem like recently in college basketball, we're getting all these people who have just like quote unquote pronunciations of their name that have like very little to do with the spelling. That like there's almost part of me that was like believed. I was like, if this is if this is like the phonetically supposed to be pronounced talk, it's I mean, maybe, but, uh, but again, um, let, let, let's hope we get some, uh, 
some verification on 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 uh, pronunciation soon but um yeah good good get um pretty excited for for this one and uh it also kind of signals uh, a lot about uh what golden's looking for in recruiting and that's pretty cool too not to bury the prior regime but i will say that that thomas howe our, our boy hawk had more p6 offers than top 50 24 7 composite Dre ballard Hmm. so that's actually know. and that's when, when if you, you look when you, back when you talk when you talk offer list yes yes and that was like i think it was like you know smu was maybe the next best offer i i really i mean this is deep in the recesses of my my brain but that's a great point like smu or old miss that was like that deandre ballard was a perfect example for a lot of things too i mean and then anytime we want to talk about like perhaps the uh actually this this might actually come up too without without the without the caters are uh um recruiting a lot of atlanta <laughs> kids remember how you and me uh you know we said some things yeah. that we thought a lot of atlanta basketball players were overrated this might we'll have to see exactly who golden, golden <laughs> targets but uh um Again, there are a lot of great, great players in Atlanta. I do think some have been very overrated in the past. DeAndre Ballard is one of them. I got to get ahead and oh, say that sure. Neil before uh, before the Gators land an ex- Atlanta Celtics kid or, or one of these one of these really good Atlanta kids. So, um, staying with recruiting for a second, and I, I want to get to Norlander and the Athletic because um, I think that's a good a good landing spot uh, after a bit of recruiting. But Florida does have some offers out. Uh, shaping up their 23 class. I'm going to include Liam McNeely, even though he's a 24 kid, because Montverde has like five dudes in the um, top 75 for either 23 or 24 on their roster. That's really silly. I kind of want to see them play. Um, That's even more than they had. That's one more top 75 player than they had when it was like Nimhard and Archie Barrett and all those cats. So, We'll see how that goes. Uh, Liam McNeely just lit up the peach jam. Um, so, I, you know, lots of reclassification chatter after his peach jam performance. I get it. I don't think Florida will be in on Jalen Carey, who was another guy that kind of came out of nowhere at the peach jam. I'm not bringing him up just because he's a Westminster kid. I promise. Or, you know, <laughs> he's also, he's also Vernon Carey's brother. Um, I do hope that Youngstown State joins the the legion of people from that uh, that particular conference that offered him in the last week. Um, because if you look at his Twitter feed, it's like a host of like really good mid major offers have come in. Um, but the Power Six is sort of waiting, I guess, because he's not Vernon and he's only he's only six foot seven, um, so he doesn't quite have Big Brother size. But when you're averaging twenty four and twelve at the Peach Jam, you're a pretty good player. Um, and you know, I did see that FIU and Miami have offered, so there you go. Miami, the first real big time uh offer, but we'll see. I know that they recruited Vernon to the bitter end, um, <laughs> and and lost, but you know, sometimes that happens. Florida, a couple other guys that that I don't know if any of these guys uh, were also at the Peach Jam, if they were, they weren't on the all Peach Jam teams like McNeely was. Um, but but Florida does have uh, an offer out to Chris Parker, who is a, a native Floridian, um, kind of fits in with, you know, what Todd Golden told us about wanting, you know, a lot of versatile wings, also fits and checks the box of, like, we want to win in-state recruiting battles. Uh, Quincy, Florida, right down the road. It looks like it could be a Florida-Florida State deal. Um 
which that's fine. Uh, and he could be a five star player, Eric. Oh, I think so. Just uh, again, like six foot six wing shot maker. Um, I didn't see like, ex- I, and I, again, this is uh, this is just uh, a couple of games being watched. So I, I could be very wrong with my evaluation after I say that <laughs> after I said earlier that I'm like, sometimes don't agree with, uh, you know, talent evaluators. Now I'm going to be like, well, based on the <laughs> three games I watched, let me be an expert. But uh, I didn't see like ridiculous athleticism. I saw like good athleticism, but still it's like, he's a six foot six shot maker. And uh, that that's good enough to, you know, sometimes be a five star anyways. I think if he shows a little bit more athleticism or adds a little bit more muscle, it could certainly be in that mix. But I think he's like a top 50 or top 60 kid. And I think like, yeah, you see six foot six shot maker, um, you know, sign, sign me up, especially yes. Again, in in-state Florida kid um, that's, that's checking a whole lot of boxes. And um, I, I think, yeah, when, like, like you mentioned, when you see these Florida offers, when you see these wings offered um, it's, it's checking a couple boxes that, that we think is, is, is going to be there for, for making Florida an elite program. So um pretty excited for that one. And uh, uh, like you said, it looks like it could be uh, be an in-state battle for this one. So uh, I think the first time that I, I think golden's already won over a whole lot of people. Um, if he beats out Florida state for a big time recruit, that'll, uh, that'll be another cause for celebration and even get some of the casuals over to, uh, uh, to, to kind of, you know, start gloating on Twitter. So that'd be a fun one to get. Um, another one that they're, they're competing pretty hard for is, is uh Jizzle James. Uh, fun name, Edger and James. Uh, if you're Edger and James kid, like you might as well have like, just go buy something else. And if you're going to go buy something else, like Jizzle James is one of the greatest things to go by. Florida's going to recruit a point guard. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. He seems to be their top point guard target. He was not at the Peach Jam. He was on an official to Georgia instead. So, um, you know, uh, oh, I'm sorry. That is totally incorrect. He left the Peach Jam to do his official to Georgia. So, there you go. Um, so, yeah, official visit to Georgia, lead recruiter at Georgia, Eric Pastrana. Um, so, fun times, man, for the Orlando native. But uh, Florida, Georgia, uh, Butler, Xavier, um, I mean, some big-time programs. Yeah, Xavier's really going after a lot of big names now. Sean Miller there, we know he's recruited at a high level out west, and he's kind of going after top guys all over the country now. So um, pretty interesting. Um, I guess a little bit of a, a hint before we go and talk some uh, talk some PK85 later, I'm sure. But, uh, but I, I, again, I, it's almost funny. I didn't actually know that he left Peach Jam to go into official visits to Georgia, but it is kind of funny because he is this kind of style of player that we talked about on this – like last year on the podcast we were talking about how mike white was going after all these like smaller six foot six foot one guards that were fast and could really defend at the point of attack and that's james like yeah and he's another one of those players that really fits that mold of course the gators didn't really end up getting any of those guys um but but james is is kind of that same (laughs) model of player that we were we were kind of talking about um yeah, like not a not a big guard, but like really fast, can really pressure the ball, likes to push it in transition. And we know that Golden has said a number of occasions he wants to play fast. And uh, uh, the point guard isn't everything for that, as we know, but it can help to have a, a really speedy point guard. So uh, a really interesting one, too. I think on three has him like 130th, but like I think 24-7 or a couple of others like have him as like a top 70, 75 player. Um, I, probably another good candidate for the Neil yeah, Blackman slash Florida State not a combination I thought I would say, but the Neil Blackman <laughs> slash Florida state look at the offer list uh, system. Yeah. 
Um, that probably kind of speaks a little bit more to, to the quality of player, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I also, I think, well, it's actually kind of interesting. You see like with the two point guards that, that Todd Golden has taken, one is a very, you know, a small guard that I think a lot of high major teams would be scared of in, in Trey Bonham, but um, then kind of a longer, a um, little bit physical, not as quick point of attack guard in, in Kyle Lofton. So um, to, to find out exactly what like, you know, quote unquote type of point guard Golden's going to look for in Florida uh, could go either way at this point, but uh, definitely uh, looking at a bit of a defender and a guy who can play pretty, pretty fast with James. Yeah, it's interesting that like, I mean, Liam McNeely is 6'7", 200. And Thomas Howe is 6'9", 200. And Simchek is 6'10", 240. I mean, so he's a little bit different than the other two. But Chris Parker is 6'6", 185. I mean, you're getting what I'm saying. They're, this is a very switchable, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I can do kind of what I want to do if I play four out, one in. Or if I go after my bigs, I can – do a three and two, but I'm still going to, I'm not going to sacrifice size. And that's a lot of what his San Francisco team or his best San Francisco team looked like. Um, so kind of interesting to, to evaluate that from that standpoint, another really good insight and look into to the program that Todd Golden's building came from Matt Norlander. I know you talked about the piece a little bit. Why don't you uh, get into that and, and encourage, you know, listeners to take a deep dive into that. Cause I, I did think it was fantastic work. Yeah, it was. And it was, it's two parts. Um, if you ever read any of the CBS stuff, there's like the algorithm that says how long of it, it takes to read them. I think each of them were like estimated reading time of 20 minutes each, um, which I don't think is exactly like, like, I know it doesn't take me that long, uh, but they're significant reads. It's a big story. And uh, the first thing I want to say, and I think this is just pretty obvious, um, even when you look at the fact that Todd Golden was on our podcast, um, Golden is very interested in, in, having his program covered um not yes. he's been on every local podcast he could be on he was on stadium and gale he was with patrick young but he's been on a bunch of national podcasts as well and uh went out of his way to say like hey uh norlander would you like to uh come on the private jet for a couple days like that's a pretty good assignment if you ask me but like again it shows that golden is is very actively looking at getting the program covered nationally in a way that it just hasn't been the last couple of years so um it's uh, again like i like i even mentioned earlier i mean i would like cbs i'm college basketball podcast maybe the biggest podcast in college basketball i don't know maybe it's like rothstein's eye but, but whatever it is um which also had pretty good <laughs> florida coverage as well that you know john rothstein podcast but it's like you know i've listened to pretty much I, i've lagged a little bit this off season but I've listened to, you know, 99% of the Ion College Basketball podcast over the last six years. Florida on a national podcast has not been talked about a whole lot in those six years. And a lot of that is, of course, like you've got to perform on the court and you've got to get deep in the NCAA tournament. But I think it's also like you've got to make yourself available. And I think that that's something that is pretty cool to see about Golden is that like, he yeah, he's he's making sure that um guys that want to have access to, to the program nationally are going to have access. And it's great to see how much coverage the Gators have had um, so early in, in his era. So um, that's the one thing that just like struck me kind of overall about a lot of the coverage. But again, this, uh, this Norlander piece, this is, it's not just like, Hey, you know, come in and ask a couple of questions and maybe write a story on us. It's like, Hey, like spend days with us, come on the private jet and get, so much amazing content. So, um, of course I, we've, we, we kept hinting at stuff that golden has said, but I, I think we, a bunch of the, you know, 
we're, we're pretty much quoting this Norlander piece when we say that Golden's talking about that he wants guys who can play for him right away out of high school. And if not, he's going to look at the transfer portal. Um, that's definitely something that's very notable. And then something that I almost think like a lot of people would read it and it might get like not noticed at first or swept under the rug, but was the piece I said earlier that like he could have stayed and recruited at an event for another, you know, 12 hours or whatever, but instead he decided to fly back to Gainesville so that he could make practice that he didn't necessarily have to be at, but he wanted to work with his guys that are already on the roster. And that's something that really like really stuck out to me in a way that like, it, it wasn't like a huge part of the story, but that's something that really resonated with me. So um, yeah, that's kind of one of the, one of the bigger takeaways that I think a lot of people are going to get. And then something that I thought was a little more subtle. Yeah. So I kind of have a couple takeaways from the athletic piece, which is also I also highly recommend. Um, yes. And another one that it takes, it's a two part deal and it takes a while to get through. Um, <laughs> and that's a half an hour of, of reading, honestly. Um, but so I know I, and I'm going to tweet another one this week from, from the account just to kind of set the record straight on my uh, previous takes, but there's a lot of like Myron Jones discussions that kind of occur. Like he's talking about his team and stuff. Myron Jones is clearly going to start for Florida next year. Um, this is one of my takeaway from either athletic Norlander and podcast listening with his appearances. Like if you blend everything in, it seems like they clearly are going to count on Myron to play. Um, and I think you've got Myron Kowasi and, Colin Castleton and Lofton and then the, whoever the other starter is, I do think is kind of up for grabs, you know, could it be dials lane? Sure. Could it be Will Richard? I I'm less confident in that based on just pure mentions on podcast appearances. Like <laughs> I feel like it, I feel like it's probably Alex fudge or Niles lane. Um, it says you can see, keep saying, yeah, we're excited about how Niles is shooting it because we know he can defend like that quote is in, Every podcast from ours to, you know, Eye on College Basketball, wherever. So it's interesting when he discusses his roster. So that's just kind of something that I take away from from those. But um, to your point, uh, and this was really obvious in the athletic piece, it's like he's thrilled for this opportunity. This is where Todd Golden wants to be. Um, clearly the job that he wanted, and it sounds like he had – at least suitors uh, from other programs. And he's really excited to be at Florida, which is great. Um, and yeah, I mean, promoting and talking about the basketball program in a way that if you are a longtime listener to the podcast, you know that Eric and I kind of said, you know, wouldn't it be nice if Florida promoted their program the way that Arkansas has promoted mm -hmm. its program? Wouldn't it be nice if Florida was promoting its program the way that Bruce Pearl and Auburn had been promoting their program, uh, wouldn't it be nice if Florida was promoting their program the way that Texas A&M and Buzz Williams are promoting their program? Well, Todd Golden is doing that. And it's kind of funny because, you know, I don't necessarily know, think that you're poking a sleeping bear, although that's a, a, a reference that um, Rob Duster, another guy that we like has made about Florida. Like, it's different. It's a little bit like Arkansas when Florida decides to promote its program, because unlike Texas A&M and, and Auburn, like Florida can promote its program and they're like, uh, yeah, we've been to five final fours. You know, we went back to back. Uh, we, we have, 
nine elite eights. We've won the third most SEC championships. You know, like Florida can say stuff about their basketball history when they do that. And it's cool that Golden has embraced that. And it's really, really refreshing. And maybe I'll admit something I underestimated was the jolt of energy that it's given the program. Um, you know, I did not anticipate them being this aggressive about getting attention on the program. And maybe that's because we kind of took for granted for so long that they wouldn't do that. I, I, I think that's it, honestly. So it's, it's pretty exciting. And again, I was, uh, um, I, I've kind of mentioned to a couple people that I was just like, yeah, I'm so thankful that, you know, golden came on, came on our podcast. And it was one of those things where everyone's just like, Oh, like, you know, really, isn't that what like coaches do? And it's like, well, like not, not everyone, not, not every, not every program. So um, that was even a, you know, pretty cool gesture there. I hope we get other guys from the program. I'd love to have Jonathan Sapphire. Uh, actually, if we want to, this is too much of a sidetrack, but I, I, I'm eating up all the Victor Lopez, um, stock i i i love the guy I, every time of every time one of the players from from florida puts up on their instagram that they're like working out and he's got like video of their of their workout and, and all you see is like resistance bands and like agility ladders and like i, I i'm loving everything so i i'd love to have victor lopez as well just because that's a part of a basketball program i don't know a lot about but i'd love to learn about from him but uh uh yeah it's 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 also the other thing that kind of struck me is like like you were kind of mentioning like the way that Musselman or like a Bruce Pearl uh, markets their program. It's um, you know, I have a lot of respect for it, but at the same time, it's definitely like uh, they're, they're loud, they're boisterous. They make for some funny social media content. Um, the Todd golden approach of let's get some of the best college basketball writers. Let's put them in our private jet and have them write really, really good stories about us. Um, I'll admit that I'm in the exact target demographic of that working, but it also shows like a lot of, you know, quiet confidence. And that's something that also really came through is that like golden has utmost confidence in himself and his staff. Like, I think it was maybe the athletic piece where he just like straight up was like, talked about why he thought he was going to have success in Florida. And he's like, because I'm a really good coach and he really means it. And like there, there was just a lot of confidence exuding from, from a lot of the quotes on, um, relating to a lot of different things and and again like could golden have done like the muscleman approach of like putting you know putting up videos of him working out with like a shirt off with the guys blasting little baby like i guess he could have but like and that would have accomplished something i guess but i i, I look at like a, a really in-depth story like this and i think about not just like players that might read it but i'm thinking about like high school coaches aau coaches that coaches that could read that like uh I, I i thought it was i thought it was just excellent i was kind of sad that there was actually only two parts even though they were like super long from norlander and he could have made it like what he wrote into like five parts easily um i was yeah. i was hoping there was more and uh but hey i mean i could say i'm hoping for it but you see the way that golden and his staff have already allowed that kind of access i'm guessing this won't be the only time we have you know really good national stories written about the gators yeah no i think it'll be you know, I, I think this is just the beginning of, of what they want to do promotionally. And, you know, if you, I mean, a simple Google search reveals like how Eric Musselman has done this. And this is pretty similar, you know, and we, we have fun at Muss's at Spence about X and O's. And I think a lot of that is fair. And I think if you ask basketball people, they'd say a lot of that is fair, but like as a, as a promotional guy, as a guy to lead a program, as a CEO, he's he's much better than I initially gave him credit for. That's very clear. Um, and, you know, like Blake Lovell said on our pod, if you haven't listened, listen. But 
um, you know, we're kind of dropping these back to back. So we're not offended if you haven't listened that, that day recording another one the next day, but yeah, um, Blake is right. Like Musk kind of invented this portal season idea. And, and so, you know, he has that uh, piece going for him too. And it's good to see Florida engaging um, in that because Florida is a high profile program as evidenced by the fact you know, look no further than the PK-85, the PK Legacy Tournament where Florida will head out to Portland. Uh, we got a bracket during our sabbatical. So many things to talk about tonight. This is cool because um, I didn't realize that there's like three different venues for this tournament. So Florida will get to play in the Rose Garden. I think it's called the Mata Center now. Um, it's always going to be the Rose Garden to me. So, you know, deal with it. Uh, but I think... Um, Florida will get to play there where the Trailblazers play, but they won't go to the Blazers until the semifinals. Um, and so Florida uh, ends up – their first game is in Veterans Memorial Coliseum, which is an older gymnasium. And the Gators are playing Xavier, Eric. Uh, I think, what, Florida's third meeting with Xavier in the last four years? Yeah, pretty interesting one. I mean, I again, we don't really need to get into it uh, too much just regarding about like what Sean Miller did and the way that he was punished versus other coaches in college basketball. But um, Sean Miller is someone that from an X's and O's standpoint, I am a huge fan of. I, I really loved a lot of what he did at, at Arizona. Um, I, he was able to, of course, get a lot of really, really good players. And I think for you to mention some of the players that he's in the recruiting battle with, with, with Florida um, already, like at Xavier from a guy who is a West coast guy, it's like, he doesn't really fear any recruiting battles. Um, I think he's excellent. And um, that you could also even just talk about a couple of storylines with Xavier in terms of like, of course, Xavier was the team that ended Florida season last year in what was like a pretty just depressing game where the Gators were injured and uninterested and kind of by the eight ball. And then you could also say like um, something that, you know, I remembered pretty quickly too. It's like Xavier also ended Kyle Lofton's season. They beat St. Bonaventure in the NIT as well. So um, yeah. again, I don't think we yeah. need to like over, I don't think like the Gators are like looking for blood. It wasn't a devastating loss at that point of the NIT for the Gators to lose um, or St. Bonaventure had a great season ended by Xavier. Um, but a lot of those players are returning for Xavier. They, uh, they have a very different team than the Sean Miller Arizona teams. They're not as athletic as those Arizona teams, but they are pretty skilled and have some guys that can shoot the basketball. But um, I think that's going to be a really good game. And uh, uh, Sean Miller's an excellent, excellent coach. Um, I'll be really interested to see if he brings back a lot of the pack line. Like he was one of like the big, big pack line guys um, when that was really getting like, really, really popularized in, in kind of the, well, not popular. I mean, the pack line has been around for a long time, but um, kind of the, the the second wave was like, of course, you know, Bennett's at, at Virginia, but like, you know, Sean Miller at Arizona was, was kind of right there. So they would really protect the paint and kind of dare you to take shots. And um, I know that uh, I, sh I shouldn't say no, really banking on the Gators being a much, much better shooting team than they were last year. But I think that um, Sean Miller is going to probably dare them to make shots and on a neutral site out on the, the West coast, it's uh, those can be uh um, first game of an MTE. Sometimes those are games you can go call. So like uh, I'm expecting Sean Miller to get the best out of his guys and he's got some pretty good guys there. So it's going to be a really good game, but Hey, it's the PK 85. Of course, you're going to, you're going to start with a good one. Yeah, no, I like it. I mean, you know, you got a little, little of that action the day before th that's Thanksgiving um, that game. So, you know, Thanksgiving day, 5 30 PM uh, Eastern for your tip. So you got, 
got the you, you probably hit up your turkey uh, already. You know, if you're looking to take a turkey nap, I don't know. Maybe the maybe you catch the the first game of that day. Duke Oregon State could be a a real lopsided mm. snoozer. <laughs> um, but you know, like I said, it feels like the basketball overlords are are pining for rematches of both Florida Duke and Florida Gonzaga, just two epic games at the PK eighty five years ago. Um, so obviously Florida wins one and loses the other, but, um, you know, if the Gators get that savior, they'll get a shot at Duke. So, uh, that's, that's pretty fun. And if, if they manage to get by Duke, they'll, they'll play either Purdue or, or Gonzaga, uh, or West Virginia, I guess, you know, can't, can't ever count out Huggins in in a multi-team event. So, um, still like what a field, what a great event. Um, and, and hard to be anything but but excited about that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it feels like it would just be kind of taking it, like, way too seriously to talk right now about, like, how important that first game is for the Gators. Like, the Gators are going to have plenty of opportunities for Quadrant 1 games, but it is one of those things where it's, like, um, it, it is one of those things where, like, if the Gators do lose that first game, they could end up, not playing very many quality games because it could be, um, you know, like you said, Oregon state, which would not be a quadrant one game, almost certainly, um, you know, you hope there's no situation where the Gators end up playing Portland state, but, uh, right. you know, they are there, but like, it's one of those things where if they win that game against Xavier, um, you include that game, they're going to probably have, uh, well, almost certainly have three quadrant one games. And if they lose that game, then it's like, okay, they've lost a uh, quadrant one game. Exactly. Um, what could be a quadrant one game. I, I'm assuming it will be almost certainly, uh, but then they're suddenly playing Oregon state. But again, like it's like that, that would be just like, if that happens, very unfortunate, but in a vacuum losing to Xavier wouldn't be bad. Um, they're a really right. good team. I, I, I really like Xavier going into this year, uh, but uh, uh, it is one of those things. If you want the Gators to kind of maximize quadrant one opportunities. Uh, yeah. They definitely got to take care of business in that first one. Yeah, no question. Um, Florida's schedule, I think we hadn't quite finalized everything non-conference the last time we recorded either. That happened. Um, not a ton of surprises, I guess. I know Eric wrote a nice piece at um, Gator Country about the way that Florida tackled things analytically. I will say that, that Florida had mostly put this schedule together prior to Golden's arrival. They didn't have a ton of work to do, but the whole thing was very consistent with what Todd Golden hopes to do in the future. Uh, so that should give you some insight. Um, you know, a couple games that I circled that are kind of fun. Florida opens with Stony Brook. It's not going to be similar to the Stony Brook team that they played last year. Um, they have to kind of rebuild that squad a bit. Uh, so, you know, the first two games, Stony Brook, Kennesaw State are less interesting, but I am intrigued by the game against FAU, I like the roster they build. That's kind of a tricky week for Florida because they'll get FAU, and then they'll, you know, the Gators have Florida State as kind of their barometer on November 18th before they head to Portland. So, to Eric's point, I mean, you could be talking four quad one games in a row if you beat Xavier. Yeah, sneaky. Uh, also, just going back to Florida Atlantic, sneaky top 100 ish. Uh, you know, projected team. Um, Bart Torvik actually has FAU 86th, I believe. Um, so that's, uh, that 
is is a game that could be a lot better than a lot of people kind of think. And I think it's really cool. Like I really like Dusty May during his time at Florida. I really yeah, like I how his teams at Florida Atlantic play. Like they, like Dusty May was it where shouldn't say was he is an offensive guy. They play really good um, offensive basketball. They really play inside and out. They they really like to throw it into big men and kind of you know, run some splits off them, run staggers for shooters after they throw it into the, uh, into the inside. They've got a seven foot one transfer who they'll play out of a lot this year. But, uh, uh, and then the other thing that kind of jumped out at me, like I wrote something at Gator country about, uh, um, kind of the best players Florida is going to see in non-conference play. And it was kind of just my chance to like showcase some low and mid-major players that, uh, um, you'll see in a couple months. But, uh, one thing that kind of struck me and I'm thinking about it right now with Michael Forrest, who's a good, like grizzled veteran guard for Florida Atlantic is just that like a lot of these teams that the Gators are going to face in non-conference play, their best player unquestionably is like a six foot or six foot one point card. So it's going to be really interesting to see like, um, I know we think Kyle Lofton is a really, really good defender. He's not going to have to play 40 minutes a game, so we'll be able to crank up the energy even more. Um, but I think it's going to be also some good challenges for Trey Bonham, who I think the question for him is, um, you know, what's his uh, defensive level going to be at? But I'm interested to see these point guards in, in a bunch of these matchups because you look at the best player for for a bunch of these teams. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of really good point guards. So that'll be a, you can almost circle it in, you know, like four fifths of Florida's non-conference games is like. The, the matchup to kind of watch is at the point guard position. Yeah, FAU has a fun little combo guard named Elijah Martin, too, who committed to Dusty May over um, Ole Miss and Kermit Davis and got people kind of riled up at Ole Miss very early on about Kermit. And Elijah uh, is a guy that, that was – I mean, he's a pretty good offensive player. He can really score. Um, so – you know, yeah, I mean that's a that's a sneaky good backcourt as well. That's a, that that is a good one. That's one that I'm definitely looking forward to. I think Kennesaw State has a player named Oh, it's Chris Youngblood. I think his his name is. I'm really blanking on his first name, but um, yeah, like can like 40 percent three point shooter, like six foot four, Ooh. and he was really productive young. And like I think he's only in his second or third year, so uh, he's someone that I could certainly see being an up transfer, not necessarily like Florida caliber, but. Uh, but, but someone kind of getting up there. Um, Neil, I don't know if you have any more schedule thoughts. I don't mean to d- derail it completely, but, um, you know, breaking news, I, I, I mean, on the podcast, I just realized that there's actually a third part to Norlander's piece. It's kind of formatted oh, wow. and, is, and isn't as long, but it's it's Holy like five cow. it's like five takeaways from his time. So I've got to also just, you know, you could almost skim it quickly. We could talk about it, but I don't think we need to. But um, the one thing too that I just, I wanted to bring up earlier that I'll just, kind of bring up to you uh now and i kind of want you to comment and see what you think but like golden is was was very candid and uh of course they were very open about their you know recruiting style and uh very open with the way that they were kind of watching some games with uh that they didn't really have any intention of taking any of these guys but they wanted to like build their relationships with the coaches and show that they were you know for to maybe get the next guy in 2024 um what would you say to a fan who is like, wow, this, like they're being way too open or they're, they're being too candid. Like, what would you say to a fan who's kind of suggesting that? I mean, I just think, so I, you know, I think that there's, that's a great question. And and I think that the best answer I have is after this kind of wall of secrecy that was around Florida's program uh, under the last regime, this is just, like I'm still refreshed by it, and I'm wondering, 
to me, I'm kind of wondering if maybe some of the, the strategy, especially with not having a ton of connections to the state uh, on the staff, if some of it has to do with that too, like, look, we're going to tell you what we think and hopefully that helps us cultivate trust in state. Um, I think that's my best answer. Yeah, I just I, I was kind of just shocked to see some of the some of the pushback from uh, uh, from some fans that thought that they were being a little bit too open about their strategy. And like, I, I, honestly, like, like I, I loved pretty much everything that like I was eating up everything that Golden was saying, and I agree with it, like pretty much everything. But like, I didn't actually think it was like any of it was like crazy or revolutionary. Like, I think there's a lot. Like, you can just see the offer list for a lot of these top 100 high school kids and you can see that the offer list don't look what they look what they look like what they normally do and you see mid-major teams that are getting quality high school recruits that they wouldn't normally get because there's teams that are like high major teams taking less of them so like the idea that like hey we're not interested in like taking four high school kids and developing two of them for four or five years because we don't think those guys will actually be around like i just didn't think it was like as revolutionary as apparently a bunch of fans who like read it and we're like why would the, why would the gators be so open about this or um or i think too there was some pushback to the to the comments about like that again that they were like hey you know like we're actually not interested in taking any of these guys players right now but we just want to know show this coach that we're like you know giving him some time now because maybe we'll get like i i, I just thought that like literally is i thought that was recruiting you know what i mean i've had calls come to my high school games and and I, I i know none of my guys are good enough to play for him but i might have a guy later like i just so i think right. I, it's one of those things that i honestly think the golden was just like so open that some people that were maybe a little bit out of touch with how recruiting works um maybe just thought he's being too open so i hey i, I really really this was just far more of an educational piece um <laughs> to a lot of people i think than it was intended to be but um I, I've got to say, like, just seeing some of the pushback, I'm like, I, I feel like we have to push back on the pushback because, like, man, I, yeah. I want Florida to be covered like this. I want to see 100 more of these Norlander pieces, to be honest with you. So if, if fans are not a fan of it, if they're not a fan of how open Golden is, then, like, I, 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 I'm sorry that you could not enjoy coaches very openly talking about their strategies because uh, this is awesome. And uh, this is how, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope this continues. Yeah, and I'll give you an example. I mean, Leonard Hamilton came to see, you know, a Westminster game. And I think people in the gym were probably like, oh, man, Ham's here to, to look at Chase Johnson or whatever. And, like, we all know Chase could shoot, right? But, like, he wasn't going to get a scholarship <laughs> for State, right? Like, he, he just wasn't, um, it, you know. And, and Dudley Blackwell wasn't somebody that FSU – like FSU kind of bailed on him pretty quick, um, you know, for whatever reason. And Ben Middlebrooks was an afterthought because he was so young at that point. I mean, it wasn't like there was nobody that was going to Florida State, but he was there because at some point in time, you know, a program like that is probably going to produce somebody that might go to Florida State. So if Leonard is in the gym and, puts in FaceTime with a ninth grader who ends up being Ben Middlebrooks and, you know, goes to Auburn, but what or Clemson or whatever, but, you know, that's fine, but still a player that's a power six player. So that's why they're there. It's not, you know, and being honest about that, I don't think hurts anybody. So I'm with you on pushing back against the pushback. <laughs> uh, somewhat. I will wrap the the Florida scheduling thought and, and get us closer to closing a, another long podcast with, 
Like, it's funny to me that this UConn game that Florida finally gets the return game. And I'm not sure that's like one of the more interesting non-conference games on Florida's schedule, unless you like really buy into the fact that, that Hurley's going to be able to rebuild that roster real quick. Yeah. It's, I haven't loved watching these UConn teams um, recently and, and they've had some success. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to let uh, speak ill of them, but uh, yeah, they're a team that I think is pretty hard to watch on the offensive end and, they've had some really good athletes and Hey, they got the better of the Gators. So um, <laughs> I'm not saying can't be effective, but Adama Sonogo is, is, is definitely just a monster. He's kind of like, um, I was going to say like Oscar Shibway light. That might be even, you know, I, 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 I didn't really think too much about that comparison, but he, he's a monster on the inside rebounding monster. They're, they're, they're physical. They play really, really hard. They really take on the personality of their head coach. Who's a very fiery man. Um, so it's one of those games that like from an aesthetic standpoint, I don't think it's going to be the, uh, it's not going to be the prettiest on Florida schedule for sure, but Hey, it's still a, it's going to be a good team and an opportunity for a, for a good win. But uh, you know, if we're going to, um, rank games by how excited we are for a good basketball product. Um, the, I, I I don't think this is going to be it. And that's, uh, uh, but uh, hey, hey, it's a uh, it's it's a uh, it's 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 a game that certainly I was will prepare you for some of the SEC games. Um, maybe not that kind of like same athleticism of a lot of SEC teams, but definitely the physicality level of some SEC teams. So uh, that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, I was. I mean, Sonogo like decided to come back so quick. I almost forgot that he was back, Eric. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, like there's a lot of great post players that, that decided to come back, uh, shout out NIL, by the way, for that, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, they don't play a pretty, particularly as Eric said, a very aesthetically pleasing type of offense. And like, they didn't also bring in people that really fix that. Like, I mean, Tristan Newton is a guy that I think a lot of people would have liked. He's a nice player from East Carolina that they, that they brought in in the transfer portal, but like Naheem Aline, Florida fans will be familiar with him because he decided to like make all his three pointers against the Gators after shooting like 28% uh, on the year in the NCAA tournament. But like, I don't think Naheem Aline is a particularly highly skilled player offensively. I don't think Mike Young like lets him depart Blacksburg if he was going to be missed terribly. I hate to say that like that bluntly, <laughs> um, but. Uh, that's kind of my thought on that. And then, you know, so yeah, it's Sonogo, but Castleton has done well against bigs of that ilk uh, with the exception of Oscar Shibwe. Um, I just think it's a nice matchup for Florida. And I, I think UConn is a little overrated um, because of some of their offensive deficiencies. So it's not a game that interests me quite as much as like a Florida Xavier or even a potential, you know, third place game against West Virginia or Purdue would. <laughs> well, and I think people know like, well, I mean, I, I like really good schematic coaching. So I really like watching. Oh, I liked watching Sean Miller's team. So I'm really excited for that one. And I like some of these Xavier players. Um, but of course, people, people know my, my, my favorite coach in the game, Porter Moser, like, um, I, I'm scared and excited to see Oklahoma because I thought that, uh, Matt, I don't think they had a lot of talent this last season and, uh, you know, they, uh, yeah, found a way to beat the Gators. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, uh, when I think they have a little bit more talent, but, uh, I, I think that they play a beautiful style of basketball. Um, so that's going to be another kind of, um, really fun to watch 
fun one to watch. And uh, um, again, honestly, we're talking aesthetic going back to Florida Atlantic. Like they play a very aesthetically pleasing style of basketball too. So yeah. um, that's going to be good. But I, I, I'm glad you kind of mentioned it earlier. And I know Golden said it on our podcast that like they didn't have uh, much to do with the schedule. They scheduled like Ohio. And I think that that was it. Um, so just, just to be clear with people, like um, it's a good schedule. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like, Oh, don't, you know, don't blame Golden or his staff. Um, it's not <laughs> a bad schedule. It's, it's a good schedule, but um we haven't quite. Well, I just want people to know that we haven't yet seen Florida's staff's fingerprints on uh, on the schedule quite yet. So I do look forward to next season where uh, where we can see exactly the strategy they want to kind of employ. Yeah, no, that'll be super fun. Um, we have probably so much more we could get into tonight, but we've gone, I don't know, seventy minutes of content. So um, hope you guys got enough to digest. We'll do like listener questions and pack that into a show probably sometime next week. Um, but it's good to be back and uh, go Gators. Keep attacking closeouts.